I'm now wired for sound. <laughs> I don't know whether you could hear this for but as you, as you get older, uh, people mumble. <laughs> and uh, I find that I have to listen very intently to Nishpura to follow what he's saying. Uh, and then the other day I discovered I was listening very intently to a lot of other people as well as Nishpura. So I've discovered that lots and lots of people mumble. <laughs> uh, the subject for today's talk it is uh, compassion, uh, which I've experienced a considerable amount towards me over this this last few years. And uh, it, it's what I really want to do is is to sort of illustrate how it develops uh, to its highest level, uh, a profound emotional awareness that we we have within us uh, and we take around with us uh, and also the wisdom uh, which we gain through its experience i don't know about your your good selves but <clears throat> when i was younger I, I found it difficult to accept help uh, it wasn't that i didn't appreciate the gestures uh, my problem was one of an instant desire to return uh, any gesture of support uh, with a gift of more value than mere words. Uh, and yet I soon learned that words are enough. Uh, and and full enough that if I wasn't here, that sounds a little bit strange, but if I wasn't here, this would deny others the chance to express some of their caring concern and many precious moments of shared human warmth would be lost to this world. And while we may think that our own gestures are hardly earth-shaking, uh, this shouldn't stop our concern for others. Uh, for what we give of ourselves is truly ours and what we keep for ourselves uh, we will inevitably lose. It's often suggested that we're the sum total of our emotions and yet this is no more than an apology for a lack of control over them. The fact is that we experience existence through our mind and therefore we are mind. What we think, we are. Admittedly, emotions influence our, our thinking and responses simply because they exist within our, our thoughts and reasoning. However, it's from birth that we have this tendency to realise and respond to life through our more basic emotions, which explains our confusion and dissatisfaction. And yet most emotions incline towards either the romantic, uh, due to what we think is love, or selfishness due to a concern only for ourselves. And even when they involve others, they're questionable. Emotions are only meaningful 
when they have a sense of reality within their substance. Indeed, it, it would be naive to think that our response of love was simply tenderness, caring, sharing and self-sacrifice, when within it also exists jealousy, envy, possessiveness and ambition. And yet, it's when we recognise these characteristics within ourselves, we're naturally challenged to change, to cultivate those emotions giving contentment and satisfaction to both ourselves and others, and to ignore those that bring so much discontent and dissatisfaction, which isn't so much wisdom as plain common sense. And yet, common sense doesn't always prevail, does it? What we do tend to cultivate are our more unrealistic emotions through an active imagination in search for happiness. <coughs> it's also through a fear of this world's reality and a craving for personal security. So we subconsciously create our own unreal world together with an equally unreal, unreal role within it for ourselves and all of this we hide within our own wishful thinking and even though we recognize the dysfunctional role or the dysfunctional image we're projecting as ourselves this still doesn't stop us acting out our chosen part in life in life's daily drama and because we can be quite accomplished in our own self-deceit. And yet whatever role we choose to play in life is often overshadowed by our fear of death. We're born not knowing why or not knowing how to live or die. We simply have to learn by experiencing life with all of its agonies and ecstasies. And because our emotions and fears and responses belong to us, we tend to put ourselves first, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because in recognising our emotions relate directly to our responses, we're able to focus our awareness on both, realising that our fears and responses are also shared by others which means we have a common experience of life and concern about death. Without this wisdom, we wouldn't have the foundation of our caring and concern, that of a deeper awareness of our shared emotions, through which we sense in hope that both ourselves and others are free of suffering, and yet recognising all the suffering that's already there, it's from this awareness we feel the warmth that naturally flows from giving, receiving and sharing. Learn to accept that when we ourselves suffer, feel a sense of failure or inadequacy, instead of blaming ourselves or others, we accept that failing, falling short of perfection is not unusual and experiencing life's difficulties and failing is really quite normal. Fortunately, our caring and sharing concern for others is also quite normal. 
even though we live in a society that attempts to manipulate our dreams and wishes, skillfully presenting them as our needs, tries to mould our mind, form our tastes, even determine our concept of reality. And this can lead us into believing there's nothing but failure beyond our own performance figures, credit ratings, personal images, lifestyle and possessions. And yet this pressure for self-image dilutes and distracts our natural concern for one another, strains the bonds of friendship, forcing us into a competition for status that borders on psychological warfare. And it's only our single-mindedness that prevents society devaluing our concern through a lack of its own and treating our wisdom as unrealistic. It's a society that so often lacks the mercy through which we ourselves can also experience and express compassion. While mercy is not as all-embracing, at least it gives time for suffering to heal. It also has the quality of a heart expressing compassion, in that it listens for calls for help and responds appropriately. The difference is, compassion doesn't apportion responsibility or blame. It only senses the need to be gentle in understanding and responding to all suffering recognising that there's no point in reacting with anger and frustration just because life falls short of what we think it should be. We will never get what we want, nor what we think we deserve. It's when we come to terms with this truth, we're far more able to bring a sense of humour into our expression of compassion. Humour can make it easier to accept that all suffering is the same in its experience. The only difference is in the degree that it's personally felt. And we can use humour to gently ease the hurt of a broken heart, calm a pain weary mind in need of encouragement. And while we're isolated within our own suffering, this nevertheless helps us to better understand and appreciate the suffering also felt by others. It's through our attempts to understand the suffering of others that our concern moves from the isolation of the self-centred into the world of the compassionately involved and within which we're able to find the time and patience to see things as they really are that suffering and pain are often of our own making, our method of learning through experience, and the fact that we live with the physical events of an ever-changing world. Only in coming to terms with this reality can we learn to really accept pain, realise suffering will naturally and inevitably end, instead of childishly demanding that it cease immediately. And in understanding our shared suffering, we begin to appreciate that beyond our pain, 
we all have a quality and value and it's through compassion we're able to rejoice in the warmth of everyone's achievements without any sense of jealousy or envy and this lifts our feelings in response to suffering far beyond our usual tendency to look the other way yet also challenges to accept that we are not responsible for all the suffering in this world. This doesn't mean that we're not accountable for our thoughts, actions, speech or ethics. Those standards we understand as best behaviour by which human beings live together in harmony. And while some won't necessarily share all our views, through our wisdom we take no issue with what they think is either right or wrong. Our compassion exists only for the suffering that's there. And yet compassion is only real when expressed without any selfish emotional attachment to or possession of anyone or anything. It's a genuine concern for all beings, for families, for harmony within relationships. It's an expression of concern that doesn't replace what's already there, but expands and transforms it into a totally unselfish concern, challenging us to let go of our own sentimental possessions and attachments by realistically accepting that we bring nothing into this world and take nothing out which is why they don't sew pockets in shrouds. What is important is how we live, what we do with our lives, how generously we give of ourselves and how graciously we release what we don't own or possess. We're not trying to be superhuman. All we need is a willingness to express our compassion with a generosity and reality that gives meaning and purpose to our own very existence and that of the rest of the living beings in this world and universe. While some may view this level of concern as unrealistic, lacking in appreciation of human limitations. Yet limitations give birth to aspirations. It's when we realise we're ordinary, we're challenged through our compassion to become extraordinary, putting into practice what we think is the quality of our compassion measured against its generosity. In this respect, the Buddha drew a distinction between what he saw as beggarly, friendly and princely generosity. How we could use these terms to measure our own. If we think of ourselves as generous, then simply trying to be good or giving what we think we should, well, they're better than nothing. But they're really only our ego looking for publicity. Whereas princely generosity arises from the passionate and unselfish concern expressed 
within all our relationships. While we ourselves may have a, a caring concern for others, feel the need of unselfish responses to those in distress, it's when we neglect to bring reality into our concerning responses that our, our generosity loses its strength and sense of purpose. And we need generosity when seeing our pain in the tears of others. While there's nothing wrong with tears, even if they're a little self-indulgent at times, we can all feel faint-hearted, can't we? And it's often only through tears we actually come to terms with reality. Tears can also display the generosity that's the very essence of a garland of compassion we all wear about our own shoulders. And it's this we offer to all we meet as a warm handshake, an affectionate embrace or a knowing smile. It's an initial gesture signalling the genuine concern and compassion we feel for all we meet and greet. While some people may think of themselves as strangers, even enemies, as strangers are friends we've just met, and enemies are friends who are hurting. All are no more than self-determined labels, totally unnecessary in our wish for a genuine relationship with each and all of them. Yet through patience and tolerance, we hope they may recognise our wish for their health to continue and what suffering is there will soon cease. And even if they reject our response, we accept it's only momentary, that their hurt is actually hiding their own concern and love. And yet when we come to love, we also come to a problem. Because love is all things to all people. Love can foster envy and jealousy, as well as selflessness and caring. Yet only when love is experienced with a profound sense of reality, is it ready to transform into a concern capable of maturing into compassion. Only then does it cease to be motivated by our more romantic and self-centred emotions and instead moves from, the, from being an afterthought to the forefront of our mind, guarding our responses from the influence of the ego and allowing our concern to mature into a genuine compassion. And this process is extremely important because compassion is the only answer we have to humanity's grief and sorrow. It's through this wisdom we're able to understand who we, ourselves, really are. To let go of the image we've cultivated in order to impress others. And in realising who we are, we're better able to let go of who we think we are. To recall the occasions when we were envious, easily hurt, easily flattered, 
believing we were in love when in reality we were not. And it's when we recall these occasions we're also able to recognise once we thought what was love and that all these feelings and responses actually stopped us realising a genuine love and concern for both ourselves and others. And yet the problem with our concern for others is that it often springs from a strong desire for an intimate relationship, one that instinctively forms into an emotional attachment. And this can be a rather bleak experience, especially if it contains little more than self-satisfaction. While relationships can mature into a sense of responsibility for others, this only reinforces the attachment we so easily develop within them. This is why it's important we bring a sense of reality to all our relationships because they offer us an opportunity to be something far more than our usual selfish selves. In this sense, we need people in order to express our emotions, experience our humanity, offer, accept and share generously of our compassion. And while people don't exist to satisfy our needs, they certainly allow us to experience them. What we're really doing is bringing awareness to our communication with them. The trouble is that what problems we experience in relationships are mainly due to our own failure to recognise them as one of the main causes of our own grief and sorrow. And yet if only those in relationships would honestly communicate with each other instead of indulging in the self, selfish desires that bring only grief and sorrow, they would realise a concern for each other without the desire for possession or domination. And instead, yet instead, they become so dependent upon each other that they're slaves to the wants of others. And yet if they experienced a genuine compassion for one another, both would experience a detachment and freedom within their relationship without actually destroying it. The fact is, we are actually isolated from a deeper understanding of the nature of others. This is what gives us our freedom. We need it. It's also why we're unable to accept responsibility for them, for all others. And if we're honest, we have to admit that we don't always understand ourselves all of the time. And while we all need our freedom, this doesn't mean we're isolated or separated from one another, nor is this a denial of our concern for each other. But how can we give up anyone or anything we don't own or possess? As humans, we're simply like ships passing in the night, flashing messages to one another in the hope that what is communicated 
will also be understood. And yet whatever we communicate through our compassion can never be the product of selfish thoughts. We can't feel offended when others only remember us when they have a need. In a sense it's a privilege. We become a light in their life when the light in theirs has somehow started to fail. And yet our compassion doesn't make us either doesn't make either of us responsible for the pain others cause themselves. While there's no responsibility in compassion, neither is there respect or disrespect, judging or comparing, jealousy or anger, bias or prejudice. Compassion doesn't interfere in any way with what others are doing or thinking. Doesn't look for a cause, seek out responsibility or blame. Gives no thought to effort or gain. Compassion is simply a concern only for the suffering that's there. And it's this detachment from everything other than suffering that gives compassion the freedom that's typical of its very nature. That's of a freedom from everything except reality. Uh, freedom is essential if we're to express a compassion that's not only genuine but realistic. A compassion that's not only an emotional response but the highest level of mindful awareness we can attain in our pursuit of whatever is beneficial and good. It's through a compassion born of life experience, we gain a wisdom willingly accepting that everything in this world is in a constant state of change. While we will never have knowledge of its details, we can at least be aware of the nature of its reality. Because what we see as this world and its objects are not really there. Which is why we are able, through compassion, to take possession of anyone or anything we sense as existing within it. Whatever is seen as this world is no more than an illusion. A mirage of ever-changing images, forms and shapes, textures and colours. It's the froth and foam of its true reality. And yet none of this challenges a mind looking to the moon while aware of the nature and reality of the stars and universe beyond. A mind finely balanced and quietly focused in giving meaning and purpose to an imagination lightly touched with magic and a mystique tinged with a gentle sense of humour. A mind gifted with life experience and intuitive insights through which can be experienced new perceptions of our, of our being and our very existence. And because we are isolated within our mind 
It's through insights we exclusively recognise what are fundamental truths. Those that reflect the very nature of the reality we're all seeking to understand. And this gives, my, gives to mind an incredible potential. One within which only our genuine expression of compassion as the strength of purpose within its benevolent concern for humanity to counteract the very obvious malevolence within human nature. And it's no exaggeration to suggest that compassion is vital to our very existence. Without compassion, humankind is more than capable of its own self-destruction. In this respect, we should never underestimate the impact of our own giving generously of ourselves. And while we don't require faith, a belief or a creed, any sense of achievement that comes to mind, we immediately surrender. We give up to those in need throughout the whole universe, rather than let our ego feed upon it. The importance is in realising that all our responses, gestures and words, have reverberations that long echo within the memory of those who have received them, even in the minds of those who have only witnessed them. And it's through our compassion we become intimately involved in contributing positively to a world within, the, within which there's so much fear and suffering. While it's difficult to imagine a world without fear and suffering, both challenges to face up to reality. And even though we're isolated within our mind, we're not alone in our experience of existence. This we sense through the warmth of each other's compassion. And it's through this warmth we're able to recognise the benign nature of our world with a sense of both wonder and amusement, rather than seeing it as something rather threatening and alien. I'm reminded of a, a few lines from the book The Hobbit, where the wizard Gandalf speaks of the wizard Saruman. He goes on to say, Saruman believes it's only a greater power that keeps evil away. But that's not what I have found. It's the small things that keep the darkness at bay. Everyday deeds of ordinary folk, simple acts of kindness and love. And because I'm afraid, it gives me courage. You probably realise I'm a Hobbit fan. <laughs> but it's when we also recognise the darkness in this world, we also realise the need of all our own courage, compassion and wisdom. Or we could find ourselves helping to lead to disaster, a world already suffering from the frailties of human nature. And the sheer scale of this distress 
that's obviously there shouldn't mislead us into thinking our compassion doesn't matter or reflect reality. Our compassionate awareness is essential because of this world reality. In coming to an end, I, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that nevertheless, it's through our compassion we ourselves may be faced with our own ethical dilemma. For in looking into the eyes of those who love us, we may recognise that our compassion could drastically affect theirs. That the relationship between ourselves, our family and friends could be shaken to its very foundations. Because the world we built from our original response of love has changed forever through exposure to the reality with which we now experience and express our compassion. And yet it's our deep concern for the welfare of all living beings that gives wisdom to our use of skillful speech, even a skillful silence. For while our compassion may not be recognised by those who love us, Hopefully what they do realise is our unspoken realistic concern for them. While all of us may wish for a world without suffering and conflict, reality forces us to accept the suffering of our earthly existence, together with a method of learning from our own experience. But as long as we search for our wants through conflict, rather than peacefully accepting our simpler needs, suffering will continue to provide a profound purpose to our own garland of compassion and wisdom. <clears throat> now at this point I, I'd like to uh, thank uh, all of those people and Mo, uh, who prepared today uh, and made today possible. Me too. Oh, <laughs> you came in late. I didn't realise. Uh, but thank you all very much. I, it is greatly appreciated. I'd also like to say thank you to all of you here. Uh, first of all, for coming. Uh, secondly, for your attention. But more than that, for I think I should thank you for your patience, for resisting the urge to run for the door. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hope I've, in the rambling dissertation I've offered you, in the narrative of the talk, uh, I've tried to put a lot into it. And somehow the continuity hasn't really satisfied me. But I, of late, I haven't had the uh, strength of purpose to go through it and satisfy myself that it is right. But I do hope that it has given some of you some uh, food for thought. Uh, I'm not, I haven't, for one moment, uh, have I thought that I'm teaching you something original and new. That's just impossible for us 
but what you do experience through your compassion I hope registers within uh, the talk and that you appreciate what I was doing it's giving the highs and lows of compassion because it's such a profound emotion so thank you very much for your time thank you, thank you. Thank you.